Welcome to On The Way, where we walk through scripture in episodes that are short enough that you can listen to them on the way to your destination and deep enough to help you on the way to becoming who God created you to be. We are being sanctified. We've not yet reached perfection. We are not yet in heaven, but we are on the way. Welcome to episode 26 of On the Way. This is the sixth episode in the book of Luke. In the second half of Luke 6, Jesus continues to deliver a message of good news to the outsider. Luke 6.12 says, One day, soon afterward, Jesus went up on a mountain to pray, and he prayed to God all night. At daybreak, he called together all of his disciples and chose 12 of them to be apostles. Then it gives us their names, and I think we miss this. We're often tempted to think that Jesus had 12 disciples. No, thanks to John the Baptist and a bunch of miracles and powerful preaching by Jesus, he had hundreds of followers. And here we see that Jesus picked 12 of them to be his apostles, to be leaders of the disciples. Every apostle is a disciple, but not every disciple is an apostle. A disciple is a follower, but an apostle is a follower with a higher calling, a leader. They are sent by God, and God gives them authority. Apostles are messengers sent by God, and Jesus gave these 12 men this special designation. So what does it mean that Jesus chose 12 men? Well, I believe it is a pretty strategic number. Jesus was sending a message about the nation of Israel. He's saying there's a new Israel now. Jesus is forming a new Israel with 12 leaders corresponding to the 12 tribes of Israel. Now, to be a child of God, you don't have to be an Israelite. In fact, for many people, being an Israelite gets in the way. God's new family is a multi-ethnic family, and these 12 disciples are symbolism that the 12 tribes of Israel have the same access to Jesus that we all have. So why are there 12 tribes of Israel? In Scripture, 12 is considered the perfect number because it's a symbol of God's power. It's a symbol of God's authority. So for whatever reason, God picked the number 12 to represent his governance. So when you see the number 12 in Scripture, pause for a minute. It's showing you that God's governmental foundation is supreme. God's foundation, his reign is perfect. So we'll talk more about that in chapter 8. Stay tuned for that. Then in chapter 6, verse 20, Luke gives us an excerpt from Jesus' famous sermon. We know most of it as the Sermon on the Mount, but Jesus probably preached it many times. So Luke is recording a portion of the sermon, uh, and he calls this sermon the Sermon on the Plain. Um, The portion of the sermon that Luke includes here is the section called the Beatitudes. He's continuing to build on the theme of good news for outsiders. Jesus said, God blesses people who are poor, who are hungry, who are sad, who are marked or mocked, who are outcasts and outsiders. He says people should celebrate when they're mocked because there's a reward in heaven waiting for them. Your situation on earth does not determine your situation in heaven. In fact, wealth and power and comfort in this life can actually distract you from your need for God. And as a result, wealth and power are often very bad things in this life. So celebrate in your poverty because you are free from the distraction that could lead you straight to hell. Verse 24 tells us that rich and famous people will get sadness later because they're getting happiness now. Then in verse 27, Jesus delivers the big love your enemy message and he's delivering it to everybody who's willing to listen. 
In other words, if wealth and comfort haven't distracted you from your need for salvation, here's my message to you. Love your enemies. Pray for people who hurt you. In fact, give them the shirt off your back. Be irrationally generous. I've long said that generosity is the greatest evidence of mature faith, and that is largely because of this passage. It says, even sinners love people who love them. Everyone loves people that are easy to love, but it takes mature love for someone to sacrifice for someone who is hard to love. So what does he, what does he say to do? He says that we should give money to our enemies, give to people who can't repay us. Then what will happen? And I love verse 35. It says, then your reward from heaven will be great. Following that action, your reward from heaven will be great. Some theologians emphasize that we are all equal in heaven, that there are no rewards in heaven for good works on earth because only God's grace can get us into heaven. Well, I don't really believe that. Yes, only God's grace can get us into heaven. Our works cannot get us into God's kingdom. But that doesn't mean that there aren't rewards in heaven for good works. In verse 35, Jesus clearly teaches that there are rewards in heaven for people who are generous and people who love their enemies. The Greek word for reward is mistos. It means a payment for service. It's more literally translated salary. If you are generous, then, as in as a result of, you will get a great salary. Then he continues, And you will truly be acting as children of the Most High, for he is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. If you have a good father, you follow in his footsteps. You want to be like him. And if you want to be like your heavenly father, be kind, be generous, be gracious. Then in verse 37, we get to one of Jesus's most famous statements. It's all about judging. I think it's also one of the most misunderstood passages in scripture. Jesus was not telling us not to judge whether an action is wrong or not. He wasn't telling us not to use discretion in choosing friends or choosing a church. He wasn't even telling us not to judge if a message or a messenger was from God or not. In fact, later in this sermon, he tells us how to judge whether or not a person is sent by God. So what is Jesus actually saying? Well, the Greek word for judge in this verse is krenit. It can literally be translated condemn or punish. That's, that's the judgment he's talking about, punishment. Jesus isn't talking about having good judgment when it comes to listening to or building relationship with, te- with people. He's talking about condemning people. You can sit in a courtroom and decide if you think a person is guilty or not. You can make that decision. But unless you are the judge, you can't be the one to sentence a person, to, to, to condemn a person. We're not the judge in anyone's case. But we've definitely been given the ability to discern and to have wisdom. And why can't we judge? Because we're sinners too. Verse 41 is the famous speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own eye. Focus on getting the log out of your eye or getting the sin out of your life before you worry about the sins in other people's lives. And then when we do get the log out of our own eye, how do we judge? We're actually given instructions. When you when you don't have a log obscuring your vision, here's how you judge. Verse 43 says, we should look for fruit. Look for results. Bad trees produce bad fruits and good trees produce good fruit. People who rebel against Christ's teachings produce bad results. 
and Christ followers produce good results. Jesus makes our lives better, and he makes us better at life. Verse 46 says, So why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? You have to actually follow, obey. Listening without obeying is like building a house on a weak foundation, on sand. But obeying Christ, following Christ, is like building on a strong foundation, building on rock. If you call yourself a Christian, but don't obey Christ's teachings, as soon as hard times come, as soon as the storms come, you'll run away from the Christian label, and you'll run away from Christ. Jesus makes our lives better, and he makes us stronger. He makes us better at life. If you want to survive this difficult life without blaming God, you're going to need to build a better life, to build it on the teachings of Jesus Christ. Okay, that gets us through chapter 6. What a great chapter. And the next chapters are amazing too. Please don't miss them. If you're getting together with a group to discuss this episode, we've included some discussion questions in the show notes. And if you have time, spend a few moments in prayer before your gathering. Ask God to use these passages to form you into the person he created you to be. Thank you for joining me for this episode of On The Way. Here are the discussion questions for this episode. Jesus picked 12 of his disciples to be apostles. What criteria do you think he used to choose the 12? Number two, 12 is the number of God's perfect, absolute governance. There were 12 tribes of Israel and 12 apostles. What does this tell us about the kingdom that Jesus came to establish? Number three, if the poor are blessed, should we seek to be poor? Number four, Luke 6.35 says that people who are generous will receive a reward in heaven. What do you think the reward will be? Number five, the last part of chapter six is all about judgment. So when and what should we judge? And when and what should we not judge? <laughs>